Nothing in this podcast or related content is investment or financial advice. Hello and welcome to the Web3 for Good podcast. We're on a mission to uncover the greatest innovators, thinkers, and creators building the next reiteration of our online lives. I'm your host, Camilla Perkis-White, a digital brand strategist who's worked with some of the world's biggest businesses to help them drive impact and purpose in the online world. Throughout this podcast, I'll be hosting a series of intimate conversations with leaders in Web3 in hope to inspire us all to build a Web3 for good. This is only our second episode, and we've managed to interview Pakistani-American Malia Abidi, highly celebrated artist, activist, author, and the founder of sell-out NFT collection, Women Rise. At the time of this recording, it's been a busy month for Malia, speaking at Web Summit to 70,000 attendees, a feature in Vogue, and exhibiting her NFT artwork at the Tate Modern for Meta Creator Week. But today, we bring Malia into the Web3 for Good studios to share her powerful activism and latest projects to discuss could we build a Web3 for Good in education? I'm going to ask her the big question. Could the metaverse bring education to marginalized communities? And could this be an opportunity to rewrite the education system and alter the curriculum to include relevant and vital education for the future? Malia is inspirational to say the least, and this episode taps into the steps we all need to take and the huge opportunities to build a Web3 for Good. She also dropped some pretty good sneak peeks into what's to come. Okay, on to the show. All right, that's a big welcome. How are you doing? Thank you so much, Camilla, for that kind welcome. I am so excited to be in conversation with you. And yeah, it's going to be a great one. I am so, so excited to be on your podcast. I think you're doing such incredible things with it and having such important conversations. So grateful to be a part of it. Oh, that's so kind. Well, without knowing it, you might not know, but you paid a huge role in my introduction to the NFT and art side of Web3, as Women Rise was the first art pieces I ever minted. And not only that, but the Women Rise community has enabled me to join some pretty badass international girl gangs, uh, primarily headquartered within WhatsApp groups. Uh, and many of them inspired and supported me with the Web3 for Good podcast. So spoiler alert for plenty of listeners, you'll probably hear from a few of them in the episodes to come. Before we dive into today's important topic, I wanted to wind back the clock a bit. And for those of you who may not be familiar with your story, I would love for you to share your personal journey and how and why as an artist and activist, your work found its way onto the blockchain. Honestly, like when I entered the initially like the space of NFTs and Web3, it's such a like looking back, firstly, it feels like 20 years ago or something like it feels such a long time ago. I found this space because my husband, he had he introduced me to it and he just thought that it could be a good opportunity for me to expand as an artist into this space. You know, we started to look into it together and then it was quite instantly for when I like initially started to learn about it that I fell in love with it. I love, you know, the potential of it. I really like the fact that there was so much art and so many different artists that I could, you know, 
connect with and different people who were there for art. So art was like my gateway into this space. And how art connects to my activism or basically anything that I feel like that I want to talk about or express, my language is art there, you know. So I have been grateful to work with various organizations and uh, communities to campaign for various causes, especially the ones focused on women and marginalized communities as somebody who has constantly used art to make sense of a lot of the difficult things when it came to causes that matter to me art was my constant and you know I like to call it my companion because when I look back at my life reflecting on any part of my life art has been like the consistent thing for me and so yeah I like to call it my companion and that's kind of like how my you know activism and art and all of that tied into I basically in web3 continued what I used to be what I have been doing as an artist forever so yeah and tell me about the inception of women rise then where did you see that it was time to take your art from prints and books into an nft collection Mm. That's a really good question. So with Women Rise, ah, like looking back again, it's just such an incredible journey and all thanks to the amazing people that are in our community. Um, Just yesterday, I was actually looking at this one screenshot I took off our Twitter right at the beginning back in September 2021 when we when we set up our Twitter and like we had like nine followers and three of them were like myself, my husband and my cousin. We three are the founding team. Uh, for women rise and i was just looking back at that screenshot i'm like oh my god like that to like a community of more than eighty thousand people across different platforms it's been incredible so the inception of women rise like if you look at my traditional work uh versus women rise though the art is a little bit different because i wanted to fit because with the art i wanted to like basically play around with it a little bit but i also wanted to like as somebody who was quite new to the web3 space i thought that the art needs to be fitting for you know the web3 or i thought that there is a certain kind of artwork that is maybe like a little bit of i don't know like a different kind of style you know maybe fitting towards i don't know just just a different style uh, uh than my traditional work and um it's of course like i was experimenting with generative art as well so it was just a really exciting new journey but with women rise and like going from prints and traditional art and books to you know to women rise in web3 i mean books and prints and traditional art is still very much part of my life i absolutely love it and you know it's always going to be a part of my life but it's it's incredible to be able to uh, expand your creativity into this new uh, frontier that's not just celebrating artists or that that isn't just for artists but as a woman of color as a as a brown woman you know it's it's really exciting to be part of an industry that's at the intersection of art technology storytelling uh, innovation and so much more Absolutely agreed. And, you know, even truly the volume, you know, as an artist to sell 10,000 pieces of work, like that's extraordinary, you know, the volume that it's reaching the individuals and the really powerful messages that you have captured that have been so timely to be forever placed on the blockchain, you know, to me is a true activist movement in itself. 
You've had so many successes, you know, endless collaborations, Rarible, Chicago Bulls, but can you spill any goss on what's coming next? Like where is Women Rise going on and off the blockchain? So like you said, we've been really grateful to be able to work with some incredible partnerships, Rarible, Chicago Bulls, Adobe, Instagram, um, you name it, you know, like we've been, we've really been working really hard as a team, as a community. So really grateful for everything that we have accomplished as a team and as a community. But what's coming is like, we're working on several initiatives. So one of them is our storytelling platform that is called Kissa. Uh, Kissa basically means uh, a story. Um, and then we are going to be telling stories of women and girls from around the world uh, through art, through short form videos, through articles. And, you know, uh, you will get to see more partnerships through that as well. It's also going to be our way of welcoming more people who may not feel that comfortable with the word NFTs or, you know, may not be ready for, for I guess, blockchain um, or just to enter this space. So I think that's going to provide a platform where people of uh, every sort of interest can come together and learn more about uh, various things. And another initiative that we have been working on is our education initiative. And I wish I could tell you more about it, but it's still in the in the making. And it's um, it's a really ambitious uh, initiative. So it's going to take its sweet time, but really excited and grateful for it. Wow. I mean, I'm so excited for Kiza. And when do you think the first project, we might be able to see some eyes on that? Ah, so we're actually approaching our first year anniversary and Kisa is going to be launched on our first year and we're still like in three days so <laughs> ah, amazing so i'm sure by the time of this recording we'll put a link down the bottom for everyone to go and have a look oh you've probably already been there um but we're thrilled and thrilled to hear there is more in the works uh for the amazing women rise community absolutely yeah and so much more than you know kissa and our education initiative as well and yeah, we're just really excited. I mean, education, I recall back to the first time that we met uh, on a lovely rooftop in London, and we very quickly got into quite a deep conversation about the importance of education, the opportunity in the metaverse, and particularly we talked about, you know, marginalized women and girls. A very normal first casual chat to have, but that's what really kind of inspired me to, to have you talk about this episode on education. Uh, and in prep, I was also kind of reflecting back on my own experience a lot. And I went to school like in the 90s, early noughties. Uh, so really saw like the evolution of the computer and tech over those 12 years. I mean, like I was obsessed. I was like quite a nerd. I would normally just sit in the school computer labs, which, you know, even now I realize how fortunate we were. And I would do like coding to turn everything pink and the Comic Sans font. Like that was my dream. That was all I wanted to do. So tell me, like, what was school like for you? Where did you go to school? And, and what was that kind of experience like for you? Thank you for sharing that, Camilla. And um, I remember, so there are different aspects of my childhood that, you know, depending on what we're discussing, um, the answers are different so like if you're discussing school in general school has of course like taught me so many different things like my I loved my teachers I loved uh, my classmates but at the same time 
during different grades and different like you know different periods throughout um, my school life back in Pakistan um, so I'm majority of the time I went to uh, school in Hyderabad in city of Hyderabad in Pakistan and I remember sometimes feeling quite anxious and quite you know just not very excited about going to school and other times I felt quite motivated and like you know I want to go to this class and I'm feeling ready for this class and you know so there are different times and there were some subjects that I excelled in so yeah so it's just kind of you know different different ways how I remember different different things that I remember from when I was in school so I think definitely there are aspects of my school life that I think I'd like to reimagine as an adult or as somebody who if I had the power to change the education system because like I said like I felt like I was thriving in some of the subjects and in the other I was just feeling really anxious because during school time like if you're not like a good student in in a subject is just like it becomes like a label on you for everything else and it can there it can be a little bit competitive as well from a very like I'm talking about competitive from like third standard fourth standard fifth like a very like you know early classes as well and like some of the teachers can be a little bit not encouraging yeah I, I just think like there needs to be some reimagining that needs to be done around education and I think we can we can do that collectively of course like it's education is like the oldest um, system in place especially the current education systems we have around the world but it doesn't help everybody thrive and it doesn't help uh, recognize everybody's talents I agree this sort of standard system for all is is not one for the future uh, as I'm someone who is neurodivergent and I really struggled like with traditional learning and so for me I'm super excited about the opportunity for accessibility on many levels, physical and mental, and a total refresh on the system. So I'm going to start with another big question. Where do you see the greatest opportunities for education in Web3? I think there are so many different ways how we can, you know, assess the opportunities with, of education for education within Web3. It really depends on like which community you're referring to, right? Are you referring to people who are um, aware of like um, the systems in place in terms of like, are they users of web too? Or do they have like smartphones? Um, is internet a daily part of their life or surfing the net? Like, you know, is that daily part of their life? If you're talking about communities where um, access to you know, computers um, or access to internet is not that common, but is there a little bit? The education and uh, access to Web3 is going to look different for them versus, you know, people who and communities who are completely uh, deprived of that and there's like a huge digital divide. So it's going to look very different for, you know, depending on what community you're referring to, right? Even for, let's talk about like people who have computers are a daily part of their life, internet is a daily part of their life, smartphones and having a connect, like uh, being connected to the web, like that's a, that's a norm for them. 
even for them, being a part of Web3 is a process. Like it doesn't, you know, it sometimes it's your friend circle can help you with that. Like you were yourself, you know, referring to like uh, how you were sharing that, like the fact that you had some friends within the space or were or were also maybe curious about the space probably helped you, right? So I will, in my case, it was my husband who was really interested in the space and he thought as an artist, I can benefit from it as well and expand my um, horizons as an artist. So it really depends on like what community, what background you're coming from. But we need to understand with Web3, it's such a new technology. It's such a new, it's just in such early stages that it's very, we need to be very sensitive to like, you know, that we don't just overwhelm people with it. So for people who are like close to entering Web3 or have the tools to explore it, I think it would be like um, easier access and, uh, you know, they have the privilege to enter the space easily versus people who aren't even used to Web2, right? So it could be like a thing where if we if we just like start throwing Web3 information at them, it can be really overwhelming. And so when it comes to using Web3 uh, for education or reimagining education, I see it to be one of the biggest revolutions of Web3, but when it comes to like execution of it, uh, that needs to be done in a very sensitive way and um, it needs to be done collaboratively. Um, And it's not like as easy as like, you know, oh, let's buy land and build a school or a university. And then that's that because the people who the school is going to be built for or the university or anything that's going to be built for, do they have access to those uh, tools? Uh, do they have access? It's There there's so many different things. There, there needs to be campaigning around education. And I mean, you know, within education, let's talk about... Um, Let's talk about the structures of education. It's not just about, oh, there's a school and there are books and there's, you know, like in some in some towns, you're even getting paid to go to school in some communities. But even in those communities uh, or those areas where you're getting paid to go to school, there's a school, the government is taking care of it. There's a huge cultural barrier uh, where people just don't believe in educating girls, you know? So there, there's so many issues and hurdles that one needs to overcome in order to make, to reimagine education and to make it, because in theory, it sounds amazing, right? Like using Web3 for education. But when you look deeper into it, there is a lot of work and a lot of campaigning and a lot of resources that need to be dedicated in order for that to happen and yeah so that's sort of like where I stand in terms of education and web 3. I think you've raised a really valid point because of course with technology you know coming from an incredibly privileged side of the western world we've always had access but really as you know influences in this space it's taking that first step of campaigning. You know, if we look at the data from the UN, school closures over the COVID, you know, affected mainly girls, children from disadvantaged backgrounds, those in rural areas, children with disabilities, children from ethnic minorities, um, more than their peers. And the basic access, you know, to something like 
water is a conversation to have, let alone internet and Wi-Fi. So I think that's a really strong point there that, you know, while we need to keep innovating and building and storytelling, the campaigning should really be, if you ask me, the fundamental purpose of all these millions and millions of dollars that are going into building this hardware and software. Let's talk a little bit then about the opportunity though, you know, you're this fantastic artist and storyteller. If access to education is available to these young persons, do you see that with like the evolution of metaverse, gaming, virtual mixed reality, you know, would you like to see, or do you think there's an opportunity to see a real shift in the way that we learn and leaning more into that interactive storytelling? Oh, absolutely. And I think it's going to make it a lot more fun. It's going to, uh, it's going to have a lot of, a lot more people thrive and it's just going to be incredible to be honest. Like if we were able to, you know, really have people access these tools and, you know, use AR, VR, um, use um, different kinds of, you know, I guess, programs and um, content uh, from Web3 and the metaverse. And I think it could be it could be incredible, especially like I am thinking about subjects like that may not be that fun for some of us, like math. I am scared of math. And I think uh, some of your listeners may be able to relate to that too. But um, I think if there was like, you know, a way for me to explore math through like a reimagined uh, education system within the Web3 space or Metaverse or, you know, a fun project that's surrounding it. I think it just distracts from the, you know, difficult side of it. So you're still learning, but you're learning in a creative and fun way. And I think, I think like, I don't know, like imagine an open metaverse where there are different subjects that you're learning about, but through ways that work for you, right? Maybe traditional education systems work for some people, but they don't work for others, right? So just like having an open metaverse where there are all of these resources available and you're able to explore education the way you want to explore it and on your terms. And like, do you see... What hardware do you see us coming into? Like, do you see more learning through virtual reality and augmented reality? What would you kind of like to see be built with that infrastructure? Both. So I would love to see AR and VR being used for education. And I think it could be quite incredible. Yeah, I agree. When I think of all the subjects, I mean, when I was at school, we had what they called like an overhead projector, which like they printed out on laminate paper, a page from a book that was projected onto a blackboard that we copied down. I mean, it was so boring to imagine that we could like sit there in history. I mean, in a major, you know, connection with everything you've been doing about telling these untold stories and exposing us to a wide variety of, cultures and backgrounds to actually walk those steps yourself surely is not only going to engage us more but I believe you know could make us more 
empathetic. And if that's the one thing we can get out of education, surely that's a positive step forward. Similia, tell me, if you were to sort of be transported then into a subject or place in time uh, through something like virtual reality, where would you go or what would you learn? I think it's such a cool concept to like be transported um, to some place, you know, because of, you know, virtual reality or uh, be able to see something like say you're visiting like a historic site and then you're like using augmented reality. I think it could be, I think it's just such a cool idea and to use that for education. So I love traveling, but when I go to like a bunch of historic places, sometimes like, you know, you're obviously like imagining and you're thinking like, oh, what must this place be like? What kind of people lived here? You know, what was their day-to-day life like? I think because of virtual reality and like augmented reality, I think it could be that can enhance that experience whether you're a traveler whether you're an educator whether you're a student and you know just just for all of us so I think it could be it could be quite fun yeah absolutely I wonder where I go maybe like for dinner with Cleopatra or someone like that something totally wild from the Roman times yeah yeah and or maybe like I don't know uh, I think there's a project called Elithia and I think that's what they're trying to like with AI art I think that's what they're trying to do but yeah it's really cool how far off do you think we are from the technology being ready like to be able to access these mixed realities let's say on mobile for the western world and then the kind of the second question is like what do you think is going to take that to get in into the hands or access those in marginalized communities who may not have the current access so I think the fact that, I mean, there's definitely, we need time. We need maybe another decade or 15 years for the technology to be there and for it to even start becoming a norm. Because at the moment, like, um, if you are even able to create an experience like this, it is done on, like, really expensive, you know, um, it just just the machinery is really expensive. It's not uh, accessible to, like, an everyday person. Like, I'm talking about you know, like an amusement park ride for like a couple of minutes, you know, it's not, it's not like the norm. And I think it's going to take several years. Um, But more than that, I feel like what is causing us all to kind of feel a little bit impatient is the culture around it. And I think Web3 has definitely contributed to that. I think at the moment, Web3 is being built, like most of the conversations related to Web3 are taking place on Twitter. And while I'm really optimistic about Web3 and in general, the entire space and I'm so proud of all of the founders coming from different backgrounds trying to create and take the space forward I think there is an element of a of like all of us feeling a little bit overexcited and sometimes kind of thinking that okay like when can this happen and it needs to happen like right now whereas you know it's great things take time and with some of the virtual reality and uh, augmented reality things the graphics aren't there the technology isn't there the you know if we are able to create even a decent experience it's not it's going to be accessible to people who can afford it not not to uh, an everyday person especially not in um you know places where we don't even have web 2 normalized or computers normalized or internet access is you know like a norm so um you know these are all of the different things that we need to think and i think empathy needs to play a huge role in that that this is not just you know, 
we shouldn't get overexcited about these things because that will distract us from actually doing the hard work right it's like just thinking about the result but what about the journey of it right like we need to make sure that we are being sensitive towards that we are um not moving or at least our thoughts are not moving faster than the things that need to be done yeah that's so powerful and i think like reflecting on this conversation it really sounds like you know the key things that we all need to do to create this web3 for good are going to be campaign for change we need to build these kind of immersive environments that also have strong storytelling abilities and to tell the stories of the untold and then we need to be as inclusive and empathetic as possible and need to see how we're going to kind of break down those boundaries across the world to really you know rewrite the education system and absolutely explode the accessibility potential Uh, that could come from a fully connected world. I agree. And, um, you know, you said this earlier in our conversation and um, that campaigning is supposed to be a huge part of it. And I agree with that. So Malia, kind of at the end of every episode, we like to have a section called Share the Good Vibes, 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 Vibes. (laughs) That's my little game show tune. Love it. (laughs) uh, where, (laughs) Where I'd love to give the opportunity for you to share some of the projects that you're not working on but that you're really digging right now uh so i've got kind of three questions for you the first one is are there any education platforms out there for those who might want to learn more about web3 web3 art kind of any topic within that umbrella that you'd recommend absolutely so i think um at the moment voice is in a platform that i absolutely love and they are carbon neutral like their team is incredible they are supporting artists and creators um and they have some education um resources whether that's on their socials or on their actual website so that's a really great platform and then i'm also part of instagram's digital collectibles cohort and i think instagram i have had like a really fun experience with the instagram team and they're trying to make that you know make digital collectibles and web3 more uh, approachable and accessible for a lot of people so i think just kind of what uh, different activations that instagram is working on that could be another thing and then we have in terms of yeah in terms of education youtube has always been an amazing tool i think articles can be a little bit too heavy um packed with language that one may not be familiar with but youtube videos can be really you know a great way to guide yourself and um of course like have a twitter account and you know just check out some of the people artists creators in the space projects that you may vibe with so yeah i am all for the university of youtube you can get many many degrees there for sure Absolutely. All right. The next one is, because I'm obviously a total fan of the Women Rise community, tell me any other kind of female or activist empowerment Web3 communities that anyone could join or follow. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm a huge fan of Honey Badges. Um, it's run by GD Anderson, um, Gina Anderson, and what they're doing, they're on Solana blockchain, what they're doing is incredible. And it's, yeah, it's just incredible. Um, the artist of the project is uh, Sarana Aslan, and, um, and Gina is the founder of the project, and they have an incredible community. And this project was the reason why 
I expanded into Solana as well. So that was the reason why I made my wallet, um, my Phantom wallet and learned how to mint on Solana. And uh, because before that, it was like I was just um, exposed to Ethereum blockchain. So, yeah, that's that's one project that I would recommend to uh, to everyone to at least check it out. Check out their Twitter, Instagram and yeah, what they're doing. Yes, we love Gina and the Honey Badges. Actually, she is episode one of Web3 for Good. So for listeners, go back and have a listen. We're a big, big fan of the epic work that she is doing. And then finally, as an artist, any Web3 artists that we should go check out? Oh, that's a tough one because there are so many. So I think I'm going to start with Imani Larissa and um, also Elise Wolf. They both are really you know, talented and credible within music i want to name latasha she's really killing it and it's just so talented there's also some artists who are relatively newer to the space uh but have like really beautiful art one of them is Gavel. um i'm actually going to look up her twitter account quickly just so that people can like go for it her. We'll plug it in yeah so it's uh k-n-w-a-l Z2, so that's Kabul Z2. And but other than that, like there's so many artists. Like, how much time do you have? You know, so we can we can keep on going. And you're great. Everyone will have to follow Malia on Twitter because you're very good at sharing fantastic artists that we should all be discovering. So we're basically coming to an end. So what I'd love you to do, can you tell us where we can find you online, all your handles, and any new projects that you need to give an extra special plug to? Amazing. Um well, you can find me on this episode of Web3 for Good <laughs> with Camilla, uh, but really grateful um, for our conversation. And then you can find me on Instagram and Twitter um, and TikTok under the username MalihaZArt, so Maliha's Art. And um, you can also find our project, Women Rise, that we talked a little bit about and our amazing community at uh, Women Rise NFT. Uh, and that's the same for all the socials, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And yeah, so that's that's where you can find me. Brilliant. And as always, guys, you can find all of our details at web3forgood.net, at web3forgood. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Camilla on Chain. Malia, it's been so awesome and such a privilege to have you today to talk about this incredibly important topic uh, we really hope we'll be crossing paths again soon. I'm sure we'll see you standing on stage or somewhere hiding about in the metaverse. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much, Camilla. And I'm grateful to your community as well for listening in and for this incredible podcast that you have started. And thank you for having me. Brilliant. Thanks so much. I'm Camilla Perkis-White and you've been listening to the Web3 for Good podcast. You can find all the details from the podcast on web3forgood.net uh, or hit us up on social at web3forgood. We've got huge ambitions for this podcast, but I need your help. So I would love it if you could take a second to leave us five stars and subscribe. There is a huge underrepresentation of women and sustainability-led podcasts in Web3. So we're going to all need to work together to inspire others and share these stories. Thanks so much. Radio. See you next week.